my name is me and I'm my alcoholic. I'm also a writer and I'm more comfortable writing. So I've written out my story for you and I'm going to read this. So I hope that's okay. And I'll probably talk for the small hour because I talk real slow. So I'm sorry. My story starts on the day of my birth. Of course, everyone can say their story starts on the day of the birth. However, something happened on the day of Hold on, sorry. <laughs> However, something happened on the day of my birth that would set the course of my life. You see, as I would my mother was at the door, and as a result, I was born unconscious. This resulted in brain damage, which has caused cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is a disability. In which the brain communicates with the muscles abnormally. It is a brain disorder, not a muscle disorder. About 50% of people with TB also have in a what your disability? I'm fortunate enough to be in the British percent that doesn't have enough what your disability. Yes, despite the way I talk, I don't have enough what your disability. How many of you, when I first started talking, punched my avenue for your disability? Don't worry, I get it all the time. How I even think I have intellectual disability when I hear myself talk. Unfortunately, it has been my advice all my life to prove to people that I don't have intellectual disability. Is that bad? What is to alcoholism? Have you ever watched a story on your local news about someone with a disability who's done something great? They may have such a Got in an accident and suddenly regained the ability to walk. Or they had a disability all their lives 
in the search of business only in the news always brings and all rape of working on their disability and now they're successful. Well, have you ever stopped to think what happens when a person with a disability tries to be successful but fails? Well, that's what my story is all about. Growing up, I had a pretty normal childhood. My parents were teachers, and I had two sisters and a brother. My parents always did their best to treat me like any other kid. And my community treated me. Like any other kid, I played with other kids around the neighborhood. I went to community events, and I had friends. I was seen as another kid, just like everyone else, despite being the only kid with a physical disability in the entire town. Hell, I didn't even know anyone with a physical disability until I was 13. Like I said, my childhood was pretty normal, but that doesn't mean there weren't problem. Depression and suicidal ideation is a big part of my story. The first time I remember thinking about hurting myself is sixth grade. And from then on, depression was Sorry, and then on depression was my norm. And it would be real easy to say it was because of my disability or because I was different than everyone else. But my parents taught me that devices on my disability. I'm sure it was a little bit part of it, but I also think my personality was different. You see, I didn't really care about fitting in with my peers. I wanted to be in with the adults. I just got along better with adults. But when you're a kid, adults don't always want you around. And that was extremely difficult for me. Because I was so focused on adults, I didn't dare think about drinking. I didn't even have an opportunity to drink. Looking back, I think my peers were scared I would tell on them. And they were probably right. To be honest, in college, I guess I was a top student, and all the professors doted on me. They would tell me, Kelsey, you're going to do great things. You're going to be so successful. 
one of those successful disabled people that ended up on the news. Outside the classroom, I was making friends with disabilities for the first time. For the first time in my life, I was surrounded by people like me because I went to a school well-known for people with disabilities. I say it was here where I got my informal education on disability. I didn't get a formal education on disability, but I'll tell you about that later. It was here where I discovered I could be a leader in the disability community. I remember one professor said she could see me being a leader of a national organization. And again, I believed her. She's adding to the pressure to be one of those people with disabilities on the news. I did drink in college, but I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic from day one. I liked alcohol, but I kept it within normal limits. I say I drank like any other college student, but I didn't drink like my friends though. I have this uncanny ability to become friends with non-drinkers. If someone doesn't like to drink, I'll become friends with them. And I've also discovered most people with disabilities don't like being drunk. They don't like the sensation of being out of control. And they have been told by their doctor not to drink. But I was like, but what the doctor says, but being in control, I'm going to drink. So I would say compared to your average college student, but drinking wasn't abnormal, but compared to my friend group, I was the drinker. After college, I went on to graduate school in Chicago. Now, to those of you that live in a big city that probably felt like no big deal, but I come from a town of about 1,200 people. I come from a town where everyone knows everyone. On my 18th birthday, the cashier refused to sell me cigarettes and then called my mom. So it was a pretty big deal that I, who was severely disabled, who had never been to a city bigger than Minneapolis, was going to the third largest city in America. And on top of that, I was going to the number one rated program in my area of study. Man, I thought I was hot 
Jake. I thought I was going to be a disability scholar. I thought I was going to get my master's and then get my PhD and then go on to be a president of some national organization. I was definitely going to be on the news. But plans don't always work out the way they're supposed to, do they? No, they don't. And for me, nothing went the way it was supposed to. Starting with the first month I was there. The first month I was there, I got hit by a car while crossing the street. I wasn't hurt too bad, but my 300 pound electric wheelchair did fly 10 feet. So that was an ominous way to start my time in Chicago. And things never got any better. I could go through all that went wrong, but I won't. I'm going to talk long enough. But needless to say, I wasn't successful. And after three years, I had to admit defeat and move back home to my parents' house. This was incredibly defeating to me. It was the first time in my entire life I had failed at something so big. But I still had hope. I still thought I would get a job. I mean, I had a college degree. And my was 3.8. And I had a good resume. Surely someone would hire me, right? Well, I was wrong. I applied to over 200 jobs, and I didn't get anything. So now I was really depressed. And after one night of fighting with my job, with my dad over my finding the job, I tried to hurt myself. I was taken to the ER, but it was a small town, and they kind of looked the other way. But after that night, my parents decided I needed to get an apartment of my own to be independent. So they helped me get an apartment of my own. And while I was decided to be on my own for the first time, I still was struggling with depression. I still thought I was a failure because I didn't have a job and I didn't finish graduate school. And I ended up in the mental health hospital numerous 
this time. I can't even tell you how many times I ended up there. I personally believe the doctors were quicker to put me in the hospital because I have a disability and I'm seen as a vulnerable person. Then, after four years of living on my own, I found alcohol. I had drank all this time, but I was a normal drinker. But that all changed in 2016. And the reason it changed was I got my heart broken for the first time. My boyfriend broke up with me. He was my best friend and my drinking buddy. And when he broke up with me, I was like, fine, if you don't want to be with me, I'm going to drink. This was a trigger, but I don't blame my alcoholism on it. I use this analogy. I always had an addictive personality, and it was just a matter of time before I became alcoholic. I use this analogy. I was walking in the forest and I tripped on that particular rock. I tripped on my heart being broken. But there were lots of rocks and I was going to trip eventually. So it was just a matter of time. I remember like early, early on in my dreams, before anyone really knew, I had ran out of vodka. So I decided to run to the liquor store. Now, the liquor store was two miles away, and I only had my electric chair. So, I got ready to go, but I was drunk, so I couldn't get my shoes on. So, I decided to go out without my shoes. Oh, did I mention it was only 35 degrees out? And on the way there, I thought, this doesn't make me an alcoholic. Lots of people with disabilities don't go without, don't wear shoes. Just telling you what the alcoholic voice can rationalize. Another time I drove my liquor, I drove my wheelchair to the liquor store when it was negative five degrees out and my battery was half full. I almost ran out of power in a deserted parking lot where no one would have found me that night. I still don't know how I made it home that night. Another time I went to the liquor store and my car got declined because I had no money. So, in my alcoholic mind, I thought it would be a good idea to 
my dear friend Grace Sunderland quickly came to the end. You see, as a person with a disability, I'm classed as a vulnerable adult. And because of that, I had social workers that came and checked on me. And I also had people coming to my house multiple times a day to help me. And they were legally required to report if I was heavily intoxicated. I always told myself to wait until after they left to start drinking. But I think we all know the alcoholic mind well enough to know that didn't happen. Every time they found me heavily intoxicated, they were legally required to call the police. And the police were legally required to send me to the hospital. Over the course of the year that I drank, Yes, I only drank alcoholic for one year. Well, a year and a half if you count the early days when no one knew. Over the course of the year, I must have been in the ER 15 times. And my trips to the ER drove the hospital nuts. Normally, when they send someone to the ER, they send the people to detox. But they couldn't send me to detox because no detox center would take me because they were unequipped to handle someone with a physical disability. So I had to wait in the ER until I got sober. This took valuable resources from the small ER. So yeah, the ER pretty much hated me. My social worker tried to give me in treatment, but again, no one would take me because I had a physical disability. It took five months for her to find a treatment center that would take me. During the time I was happy, I didn't want to get sober. So I was hoping she wouldn't find a treatment center. And when she finally did, I was like, oh, shit. She, she found a treatment in a nursing home for people that couldn't go for regular treatment. And I'd stayed there for three months. But I was able to come and go. And so, in my alcoholic brain, I made another bright decision, and I drank. Yeah, that didn't go over too well. After three months, I went back home, 
And guess what? My alcoholic ass is. Yeah, you got this. I wish three liquor store. I got no intention of stopping. And I drank for two months. And then I went to another treatment. This time, I I went to a hospital. And as soon as I got back, I was headed to the liquor store. Still, I wasn't willing to stop. During this time, my parents were very concerned. My mom called me on Facebook every night to see if I was drunk. And when she saw I was drunk, she would start crying. And then she would call me at 6 a.m. No one 
I have been to two treatment in four months. I was abusing the resources of the ER, and I had no intention of stopping. My social worker suggested that I move to a group home. At first, I told her, absolutely not. I pictured the group as a place for people with intellectual disabilities. And I had spent my entire life proving that I did have an intellectual disability. I pictured a place where I couldn't have freedom. Plus, the honest truth was, I didn't want to stop drinking. It was still my choice to go, and I said, no way. Then I had a meeting with my parents and my aunt. And my aunt said, if I moved to the group room for one year, he would help me move back to my apartment. I knew if I didn't go to the group room, the state was probably going to take me to court and have me declared a child. And I knew if that happened, I had no chance of ever drinking again. And that was my goal. What was the quickest route to drinking again? But I was still hoping that I wouldn't have to go. I was hoping there wouldn't be a problem. There would be a problem. For example, we toured the group home, and the group home said they wouldn't provide soda. I would have to buy my own. Now, if anyone knows me, they know I only drink soda. I drink like six a day. So I told my dad I couldn't move because they wouldn't buy me soda. And you know what he said? He said, I'll buy you this. He said, I'll buy you dance. Then I said my wheelchair wouldn't fit in the house. But my social worker took care of that excuse and had me tour the group in my electric wheelchair. So, having run out of excuses, I agreed to move. That first year in the group, I was miserable. I was not a fun person to be around. Around my house, we call it the time. When I hated everyone and everything, and that was it pretty much was. I was a definition of a dry drunk. I was sober, but I didn't want to. So I can't relate to having the gift of desperation.
after that first year, my dad and my aunt were true to their work, and they helped me move back to my apartment. The day I moved, I was so excited. Everyone thought I was excited to be moving on my own again. But I was excited for another reason. I was going to drink that night. After my dad moved he asked if I thought I was ready to be on my own again and not drink. He didn't ask me that before, but he wanted to reiterate the point. I looked him straight in the eye and I told him I was definitely never going to drink again, knowing full well that that's exactly what I was going to do as soon as he was. And that's exactly what I did. I just think he was gone more than five minutes. And I was headed to the liquor store. I remember pouring the first drink and then I bought down. I know I drank a handle of vodka that night and I passed out. And sometimes in between, I locked the door. But I only know that because the voice happened the next morning. The next morning, no one could get a hold of me. Eventually, they called my dad, who called my sister. And she drove the 13 miles to check on me. She called the cops to do a welfare check. And when they got in the apartment, my sister started crying because she thought I was dead. Thankfully, I wasn't dead. I would just pass out in my wheelchair. But they took me to the hospital. After I woke up, I thought they were just going to keep me until I got sober and then release me like they always did. But this time, they wouldn't release me until my dad came. And when he came, they told them he needed to take me to court and have me declared incompetent or else they would. Still, at this point, I thought my dad would just brought me up and I could drink again. But of course he wouldn't do that. He took me to my parents' house and he said I would I had to go back to the group home. I told them I wasn't going back and he couldn't meet me. And he told me if I didn't go willingly, he would take me to court. And he said he had spoke to a lawyer and it would cost him $2,000 to take me to court. 
in diesem Ibaya-Kispen zusammengekommen und zusammen mit ihm angucken mit ihr
before anyone had news, I would say you would work for you. I haven't done the stuff. I don't have a sponsor, although I'm working on that. And I don't have a higher power, not even a donut. But I just do what works for me. And if you don't know what works for you, maybe try the steps until you can figure out what works for you. So, I gave the speech about a week ago, and someone said my story shows perseverance. I don't really agree with that, because if my story shows perseverance, it shows that I was going to persevere and drink it at all costs. But I do think my story shows resilience. I was the top of the world, and then I was not down in the day. I got. Bad God.